0: Welcome to fine-tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. One day shy of the winter solstice, folks. The shortest day of the year now gets dark up here in New Hampshire around 4.30. In fact, dusk will officially happen today at 4.47 in the afternoon. Drew, I forget... What is L.A. like this time of year? It it does get colder, right? It does, yeah. I was just outside, and it was about 42. Oh, okay. So, yeah, pretty cool. Okay, and do you guys do the darker time? I mean, again, it's, it's California, Southern California. It's not allowed to get dark, right? No, no. You know, we get dark after a couple of, uh, you know...
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice drinks in the afternoon, Jim, and then we, then we then we allow everybody to get dark. Now it, it gets dark probably about five yeah. five thirty. Okay, so all right, still bright out.
0: Well, again, folks, we're coming up in the shortest day of the year, so to continue the theme, this is going to be kind of a shortest show. But if you hang in there in the second half of today's show, uh, Drew and I are going to share some animation related gift suggestions. If you're still looking for the animation fan. In, On your list, we got some ideas for you. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So we were spitballing the show last night, and you sent along news about Sergio Pablo's, uh, what was supposed to be his next, Project Ember, right? Yeah, it's
1: another uh, Netflix fatality Mm -hmm.
0: that they have canceled Ember,
1: which was meant to be his next feature. I don't really know what happened. I haven't reached out yet, but it's incredibly depressing, I think, to the entire
0: animation community that he couldn't get this. Made And this was going to be the follow-up to his earlier Netflix project, which was, of course, Klaus, and has already become a holiday classic. And the elevator pitch, you know, sort of bullet point version of Ember, showed a lot of promise as well. Now, mind you, Netflix is insisting that this decision was creative-driven, not cost-related. But given all the stories in the trades lately about how every one of the subscription streaming services isn't meeting their financial projections, I'm finding that a little hard to believe. I mean, how many things have they
1: canceled, too? I mean features and tv shows it's just absolutely crazy mm. i mean between this and gore verbinski's movie it's just like yeah it's pretty devastating on the feature side just as as much as it is on the tv side no
0: no no you're not wrong you're not wrong upside is is pablo retains the rights mm. to ember and can shop the film elsewhere kind of hoping that happens and speaking of animation related christmas films Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, the animated version, doing incredibly well over Netflix. I just checked; it's number all number four out of overall films and in, in popularity. Have you managed to see this Stephen Donnelly uh, film yet, Drew? I have not. Okay. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Folks may remember years and years ago, I, I did a. I want to say it was almost a forty-part series trying to watch every single version of The Christmas Carol that ever been created. Uh, What was it called? Scrooge You? Or or something like that. Anyway, so I try to keep my hand in whenever somebody does a new Christmas Carol, I check it out. And they did a surprisingly good job with this. Um, Very unique take on The Four Ghosts. Great overall design. And a couple really interesting choices that that helped the story along. I mean, for example, this Scrooge is not the usual gnarled, bent-over miser. He's kind of a handsome, sturdy guy who's basically lost his way. So it's not such an unbelievable arc at the end when he suddenly turns. Also, again, the notion that he gets left Marley's dog and has to take care of it. So they actually become friends over the course of this show. If I have one quibble about it, this is takes the score from the 1970s live-action musical version of Scrooge, and there's reinventing, and then there's just this shy of ruining, and uh, there's a couple of numbers in this thing that were big numbers, uh, things that really connected with audiences in the 1970 film, like, thank you very much, the big number for the second act, and they reinvented it to the point where you can't really recognize the song anymore, but beyond that that minor quibble, that this really is worth seeking out. Speaking of, of seeking out stuff on subscription streaming, did you get to see the Beauty and the Beast 30th anniversary celebration of an ABC?
1: Uh I put it on, Jim. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't really stick with it. Really? Yes. Even after that opening number or uh, yes, I would say because of the opening oh, number. Actually, no, really? <laughs> yeah, I think... yeah. I was not. I was not into it, and I was like, I don't. I cannot handle two hours of this with oh, commercial breaks and everything else. Oh,
0: I'm kind of surprised. I, I was actually, from a technical point of view, I, I would have to go back and watch it because it seemed like it, it played as one continuous camera shot. The entire opening number, when they did Bell on the Disney lot. In fact, instead of coming down the steps from her house, they had her step out of the old animation building and made the turn in front of the Walt Disney Theater there, then proceeded up to the corner of Mickey Avenue and Dopey Drive. And but it was they shot the whole thing on the Disney lot. And they had a couple of I thought um, some some very nice little moments in it, like for example, when they cut to the the portion of that number where Belle is interacting with the bookseller. The bookseller was Paige O'Hara, the original voice of Belle. And there was a kind of a lovely moment where the bookseller, if you like it all that much, it's yours. She hands off the book, so it's like, Literally, Paige doing the handoff to her. And Alan Menken at the piano. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got it all, Jim. I got it all. I just was not, I was
0: not charmed. I was not charmed. Okay, well, if it's any consolation, the opening pretty much was the best thing in it. The rest of the show, to be honest, was well put together. A lot of, every so often, some very strange choreography vignettes. When I heard that they got, were getting Martin Short to play Lumiere, I was like, well, i got to see this. I love me some Martin Short. And was kind of in, intrigued by Shania Twain coming in to voice Mrs. Potts. And to be honest, those, those two performers were just not as good as one might have expected, as Lumiere and Mrs. Potts. And Short has been on Disney's radar forever. I remember talking with Ron Clements and John Musker, about they basically wrote the script for Aladdin with oh if we could get Robin Williams to this part with this would be amazing. But at the same time they had to be ready for what if Robin said no. And their two substitutes were Steve Martin and Martin Short, who only a few years later then wound up being paired in Prince of Egypt. They were the court magicians who were doing their fake tricks for the, the Pharaoh. But the idea was they were doing fake tricks as opposed to Moses' genuine miracles. By the way, next year is the 25th anniversary of that DreamWorks animation film. And they've already adapted that project for the stage. And my understanding is that DreamWorks is, is going to push this one hard for its 25th anniversary to, to finally get the recognition that a lot of folks at this studio believe that it deserves. But anyway, back to Martin Short and Steve Martin. Just did an amazing job hosting Saturday Night Live. In fact, I want to say that that was the highest-rated episode of the 48th season of the show. They are touring the country right now in a two-man show. It'll be arriving here in New England. I want to say it's it's in Boston at the Schubert and then the Mohican Casino sometime in February. And sometime shortly, the two of them will get back together with Selena Gomez and shoot season three of uh, Only Murders in This Building. But... The way they structured the show, Drew, is they kept cutting back and forth from footage of the animated film from 91, and then would pivot into a live-action recreation. At at every turn, Martin Short's version of Lumiere would get tripped up or upstaged by by Jerry Orbach's version of Lumiere. And at the same time, it was kind of interesting to look at that, that animated footage from 2022 eyes and... It's kind of in that Toy Story space where the writing's really good. The music is amazing. But every so often you're looking at the screen and it's like, wow, that is just not good animation.
1: You got to appreciate the fact that they will never cast an actual Frenchman as Lumiere. But they cast a Canadian, so they're getting closer. You know what I mean? (laughs)
0: Okay, that's true. Uh, (laughs) All right. One other thing worth noting here. When they did Beauty and the Beast in the show... And Shania Twain, you know, sang the song. There was a lovely moment at the end where they they threw up a title card in the soundstage where this was being staged, honoring Dame Angela Lansbury having passed early this year. This is also worth watching for just the final moments of the reprise of Beauty and the Beast. You know, they have her on stage, they have Josh Groban, and they're kind of doing the Peebo Bryson, Celine Dion Dion version of, of Beauty and the Beast. And then suddenly, her disappears from the stage and she re- reemerges. Now, picture this through. She's in her Bell Gold gown. She's got her, you know, her, hers trademark glasses on, and she's wailing away at an electric guitar coming down the stairs. And watching it at home, I just pictured. Now, mind you, again, this is at 10 o'clock at night, so probably a lot of the little girls in the world are already in bed, but but they can catch it on Disney. Plus. But it's like. You know, here they are watching Belle with glasses, playing electric guitar, coming downstairs in a gold ball gown. And it's like, that's the Disney princess I want to be. So just going right, to be right. in- interesting to see, you know, how you know, how America's little girls dress, you know, come Halloween next year. You know, just I, I imagine if Disney can package a, a little gold dress and a tiny little electric guitar, they're going to do really well. Anyway, circling back to the intermission, when they did Prince of the Popper and Rescue is Down Under in theaters back in November of 1990, and Drew and I were talking previously about how much we enjoyed sort of the 10-minute thing they put in the middle there, and it had been years since we'd seen it, and well, Michael uh, D'Alessandro reached out just today, that says, Dear Jim and Drew, here is an early Christmas gift for you. This is the Prince of the Popper countdown clock that Jim mentioned on the last show. It's not the full 10 minutes, but it is some of the footage. Wishing you guys all the best. And by the way, folks, if you want to see this, and it, it's about two minutes of footage, but it gives you sort of a taste of what they did. The search terms you want to use over at YouTube are... The Prince of the Popper intermission, and this should come up. Speaking of which, on a previous show, we talked about My Dad the Bounty Hunter, the, the new sci-fi comedy put together by Everett Downing Jr. and Patrick Halperin. We still don't have a, quite a handle on the whole, is this a movie or, you know, or is this a movie leading into an animated series? But the 10-episode series... Drops on February 9th, and there were some sneak peeks of it leaked over the past weekend, and people were saying nice things about that. And speaking of people saying nice things, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, the folks over at Rotten Tomatoes just awarded the filmmakers a rated fresh award. I guess as of right now, it's got a... 98% rating so pretty much universally praised but it's already opening over overseas and has racked up 8.9 million at the box office there and it also scored a release in China this year that's the only film other than avatar way of water that scored a chinese release so that really speaks well for puss in boots the last wishes chances at the box office And before I forget, Avatar The Way of Water, I I was at my local Barnes & Noble. They have a very handsome art of book for A Way of Water that I'm considering adding to the library. And speaking of art of books, when Drew and I get back, we're going to offer up some holiday shopping suggestions by walking you through some of the best art of books of the past year.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: So uh, Drew uh, again we are recording on the 20th you have four more shopping days till Christmas what are our plans for the the next week or so and anything we're going out of our way to see or is it all work related stuff
1: I mean I've seen I've seen almost everything so we are going to go back to Avatar the Way of Water on Christmas day but other than that just hanging out recharging
0: the batteries okay. Nate and I had a holiday tradition. We, we, we did always enjoy tuning into ABC on Christmas Eve because that's when they would run the two prep and landing specials that Walt Disney Animation Studios had put together a back-to-back to get the original prep and landing from 2009, and then I want to say its sequel from 2011, uh, Naughty versus Nice. But evidently, that tradition is no more. You see, the Walt Disney Company, a couple of years back, paid $71.4 billion for you know, television and film assets for 20th Century Fox. And by God, they're going to use them. So this Christmas streak Eve on ABC, there's a brand new tradition. They're going to run Home Alone, uh, the John Hughes film. First of all, it's a Chris Columbus film, really, Jim. We have to really
1: okay, maintain I, that, I stand corrected. You what are I right. A, I understand is that he added a lot of the heart, supposedly – To the script, Mm -hmm. he rewrote a large chunk of it. Yep, yep. But that thing has been on Freeform Mm -hmm. every night for, like, the past month, it
0: feels like. Wow, okay. Yes. All right. Well, then that does sort of fit in with the business plan. But I I guess, for me, the timing is kind of intriguing, because I forget which of the sites I was at where they were sharing the news about Joe Pesci recently revealed that, you know, he really got burned I want to say, well, they were shooting the the, the first Home Alone, you know, when they, they did the fire gag, and they, I, I guess there was some sort of slip up on set. But so yeah, yeah, go ahead, enjoy the the cartoon carnage, and picture Joe Pesci in a burn ward afterwards. But anyway, okay, it's, so it's it's that time of year, folks, and if you're like myself and Drew, you're kind of a pain in the ass to sharp for. You have very specific interests, so that makes it difficult for friends and family to figure out what the hell to get for you. So invariably, you get gift cards, and and there's nothing wrong with gift cards. That means that you can get the stuff that you actually want. And we've talked recently uh, about a number of Disney books or or animation-related books. That uh, are worth picking up, and uh, let me just tick through a couple we've we've talked about recently. We, of course, the the Disney animation renaissance behind the glass at the Florida studio. That's by Mary Lesher from University of Illinois Press, and that's about the Walt Disney Animation. I want to do this right. Walt Disney Animation Studios, Florida, and then of course there's the the Disney Revolt, the, the Great Labor War of Animation's Golden Age. That's by Jake S. Friedman, published by the Chicago Review-Press. We also had some good stuff to say about Part of My World, What I've Learned from the Little Mermaid, about Love, Faith, and Finding My Voice by Jody Benson. And this had just the right level of churchiness, plus animation gossip. So it it was a fun read. Whereas Somewhere Out There, My Animated Life by Don Bluth, Got the balance wrong. It was uh, too much churchiness and not enough, you know, behind the scenes info on, on the films that Don had worked on and was kind of a disappointment. But again, if you're, you're like myself and Drew, you're going to get multiple gift cards, which means you can splurge. You can make bigger p- purchases, which means art of books. So, uh, Drew, do you have any advice? That, when, I mean, well, first of all, as a guy who's actually written, Art book, the the wonderful art of On- onward. Do you have any advice about how one should go about acquiring art of books? Well, no, not really. And
1: it, it's especially hard for me because I get sent a lot of these mm-hmm. books, especially in coordination with the big awards movies mm-hmm. this year. So I've gotten a lot of these in the mail, and they're all really, really wonderful, Mm -hmm. and very much worth your time. I would say, like, if there's a movie that you love Mm -hmm. that you're particularly struck by, Mm -hmm. then go for that. Okay. Um, I think the Chronicle books are a little bit better in terms of, like, binding Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. than maybe the Titan or Insight editions, but I think uh, you, you can't go wrong with some of this stuff.
0: It's kind of relevant, given what happened to a number of films this year, that just because a film stumbles at its its initial release or, or doesn't make its numbers or that sort of thing, doesn't necessarily mean that this still isn't an art book you should pick up. Because there's this weird phenomenon where a movie may not connect during its initial release, but then through bizarre circumstances, whether it's discovered on, on cable or... What happened last year with Encanto, when you know that thing exploded when it went on Disney Plus? A film will find its audience later, and and if you you're somebody like myself who who writes about film, you will find yourself four and five years later p- paying multiple numbers of the uh, the original release price of a book to, to try to snag a copy. So I would suggest. Uh, especially when it comes to something this year like, say, Lightyear, which is, I I believe, a, a really good film that for some reason didn't find its audience. But, you know, further on down the line, people are going to embrace that. Strange World, not as sure yet that that's going to connect, but we'll see. But anyway, let Drew and I walk you through what I I think are some of the best art of books of this year. Uh, Drew, I would start off with... The Art of Turning Red from Chronicle. So they, they do a wonderful job with presentation and that sort of thing. That came out in February of this year and originally retailed for forty two fifty. dollars 50 But you can, you can do a lot better right now over at Amazon. And I want to also point out that there is the secondary market. We were just a moment ago talking about Lightyear, The Art of Lightyear, again from Chronicle Books that came out in May, uh, uh, May 17th of this year. This book came out for $42.50. Right now, you can pick up a brand new copy on Amazon for $24.50. So, you know, basically for half of, of what it originally went for. Now, this book, I only discovered in the past couple of months or so. And I'm I'm already planning on, this is my post-holiday treat. When I get my gift cards, this is what I'm buying, Drew. It's The Art of Eric Gillion. From the making of Despicable Me to Minions, The Secret Life of Pets, and more. Inside Editions put this out in July of this year. It was supposed to, I guess, support Minions, The Rise of Gru, but did you see this thing Mm -hmm. advertised at all? No, I didn't know about it until I saw it on this list. Yeah. It's like 600 pages. I mean, it's this huge, ridiculously thick book with all of this wonderful concept art for basically, you know, the entire history of Illumination. So definitely chasing it down. On the other hand, you and I have talked about The Art of DreamWorks, The Bad Guys, which came out from Cameron Press back on August 9th for $50. And this one's already gone. If you go over to Amazon, they're out of stock. I want to say Gallery Nucleus did a signing, so they might still have some copies. They might have some. And I also wanted
1: to tell people that The Art of Puss in Boots mm-hmm. is coming. It's coming out in March. So if you want to pre order something oh. with one of those gift cards, do that. I have the book, mm-hmm. it's great. Okay. I mean, the thing with the DreamWorks books is they're mostly in house, they're mostly printed as like crew gifts Mm -hmm. and sold at the store Mm -hmm. on the DreamWorks lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if a DreamWorks book comes up, buy it immediately because it is hard to track down and the, the bad guy's book is great, mm-hmm. and so is the Puss and Boots book that is coming out in March. So okay. definitely make it a priority.
0: That's an excellent suggestion, and that goes on my list today. Another one, and I apologize, this is a, not an art of book, this is a history book, but Jim Corcus is a friend, and he just did an Off to Neverland, uh, 70 Years of Disney's Peter Pan. This came out August 29th from Theme Park Press. And given that we have Peter Pan and Wendy coming out next year, in fact, didn't the what the Disney Plus sort of highlight reel that debuted online yesterday, didn't we get a couple of images of Wendy and, and Peter on that? We did. Okay. A little sizzle. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, in fact, one of my projects for this year, last year, coming out of, uh, one of my New Year's resolutions was to get... Every single issue of Walt People, uh, D.D.A. gets his great set of uh, animation interview books. And by God, I have all 26 of them now. And I think Jim Corkis has written at least that many Disney history-related books. So I think that may be my big project for 2023, getting copies of all of his stuff. Beyond that, September 13th, Titan Books released The Art of Ron Cobb. And truly, it would almost be harder to list the films that Ron Cobb didn't do work on in the eighties, so many of the sci-fi films that we love—I mean, Back to the Future—and I want to say Alien or Aliens. Uh, I believe Aliens. Okay.
1: Yes, he designed—I believe the the tr- the truck that they're on. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, but well worth chasing down, folks. That one run will run you sixty, but you can do better right now on Amazon with that. If, on the other hand, you're a fan of good, strong design, picking up a copy of the poster art of Disney Parks, the second edition, which Danny Hank and Vanessa Hunt put together for Disney editions uh, back in October of this year, you open this book and the posters are so colorful, so well composed, and immediately it's like, I want to get on that ride. But the character art is ridiculously model The a wonderful color, and uh, also it's kind of a you know a fun Back to the Future kind of a thing where you know you get to go back to the Disney parks in in its earliest times, or travel the world and go to see how they sell the this stuff at Shanghai. So beyond that, we also have. Oh, uh, Walt Disney's *The Jungle Book*: Making of a Masterpiece, and you actually got to see this exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum, right?
1: I did. It was it was amazing, mm-hmm. and the book is really really nice, especially if you cannot mm-hmm. get to San Francisco.
0: This is true, and this one is written by Andreas Stasia, who actually pulled together this exhibit. And uh, for Andreas, *Jungle Book* is very near and dear to his heart because this is. The film that he saw as a child and convinced him, I want to be an animator. Rounding the clubhouse turn here, folks, we have The Art of Strange World by Juan Pablos Reyes, uh, Lancaster Jones, and Kelly Oihua Hurley from Chronicle Books. It's a handsome enough book they do a nice job of sort of laying out the design choices of the film. That said, I'm going to be really, really intrigued to see what happens starting on this Friday, which is December 23rd, that's when Strange World starts to become available for folks to view on Disney And I don't think we saw the same thing happen with Lightyear that we saw with Encanto when that became available on Disney Plus. I, I don't remember seeing you know people really, really, really getting excited about that Agus McLean film. I mean, I still I still really, really, really enjoy that movie. So I, I'm going to be intrigued to see what happens here with Strange World. On the other hand, you were kind of surprised to see that there is a Art and Making of Luck book by Noella Husen from Titan. came out on November 8th of this year.
1: Yeah. Who, who wants to
0: read that, Jim? Not me, I'll tell you. I have to admit, I enjoyed paging through it. And it's also kind of interesting to watch how the folks at Amazon discuss, this is John Lasseter. This is the gentleman who helped set up Pixar and animation studios, and now he's here working with us. And it's it's an interesting snapshot of, how does John want to be presented to the world? All right, beyond that, I know we've talked about this on a previous show, and you, you've you spoken with great enthusiasm about this book, True. The Art of DuckTales from Ken Plume. I uh, want to point out there are actually two editions of the book. There's the standard edition, which retails for $49.99. Uh, you and I both, however, have the deluxe edition with the number one dime. Are you continuing to dig with, through this one? Or
1: Yeah, there is just so much stuff mm-hmm. to go through okay. in this. And it's a really amazing love letter to the show and to all the artists that worked on it. I think that it's worth springing for the extra... Addition, especially because it's been pretty cheap on Amazon. I've seen it as low as like, you know, 60 bucks or yeah, so. So yeah. Keep, keep an eye on that.
0: No, absolutely. Look, absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's, it's really, really great. And it really makes me wish there was a Gravity Falls one.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Can we get that going? Can we get that go? Please, yeah, please. Okay, now I want to say it was either this time last year or maybe it was the Christmas previous when you and I were talking about the Mark Davis two volume set that Chris Merritt and Pete Doctor put together, which uh, started off life as a hundred and fifty dollar two volume set with the slipcover it eventually became available for 60 or 70 bucks and well worth it i mean some amazing art from the disney parks i bring that up because mad dreams and monsters the art of phil Tippett and Tippett studios came out on november 8th of this year and that's from harry n abrams and started off retailing for 175 dollars for a two-volume set now, mind you, as of right now on Amazon, this is going for 125 and I would bet you that it, this book will be offered for a lower price point, but at the same time, I would hate to miss out on this one. When you think about how much film history Phil, Phil Tippett was involved in, this is kind of a must-have, and later today, the final book on our list was on Amazon and saw they had one copy left. And it was like, oh, God, I will kill myself if I, I didn't get this. So I s- snagged the copy of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, A Timeless Tale Told Anew. This is from Inside Editions. This is 60 bucks. I want to say... Amazon was actually offering a coupon of some sort on this one. So I, I think I got it for something like 48 bucks. But I'm very, very, very much looking forward to the Amazon truck coming up the driveway and and treating myself to an early Christmas present here.
1: That Yeah, that's a beautiful mm-hmm. book. I have it here. It's really, really well done and totally captures the artistry that went into
0: that amazing movie. Can't wait. Can't wait. I was checking... At the Museum of Modern Art to see if there was a, a catalog to go along with the the Pinocchio exhibit. And so far the, there doesn't seem to be, but they the gift shop is offering this very same book. So you know, very much looking forward to it. Beyond that, just one minor minor quibble here. Well, first of all, thanks to Drew for making us all aware that there is a, a Puss in Boots, you know, The Last Wish Art of Book coming. And Keep an eye out for that in March. But at the same time, it's like, where's the art book for Wendell and Wilde? You know, the the Henry Selleck project. Was there anything prepped for award season? Did did anything come through for you? No,
1: they have been pretty light on that one.
0: Okay. Um, Although I did get a nice little
1: print that was signed by Henry, which was very nice. But um, that really deserves an art of book. Mm. I, I would say that Henry's whole career deserves a, a art of book. But,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> I agree. I agree. And to sort of circle back onto, what is it? The shadow King. Was that his project at Disney that got shut down? Yes. That he got the rights back for. So, um, let, let's hope that actually happens. Anyway, folks, that that's uh, uh, Mr. Taylor and I's, uh, suggestions about how you can use your gift cards This holiday season, a bunch of art books there well worth seeking out. Something else that's also well worth seeking out was that – that was a 10-minute long clip, right, for Dead Reckoning Part 1 that debuted yesterday online?
1: Yeah, it's sort of the making of the motorcycle
0: jump. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, They played this at CinemaCon Mm -hmm. last year or maybe the year before. Right. It's a really amazing piece of behind-the-scenes
0: they sort of casually threw away that in the prep for doing this stuff, what was it? 500 parachute jumps with 1,300 sessions with the motorcycle for, for, for the jump before then they did the five takes of actually just racing off that ramp into oblivion with a helicopter and a drone shooting. And I cannot wrap my head around what Mr. Cruz does for the these Mission Impossible movies, which, by the way, you and, and Charles Hood do such an excellent job of sharing the behind the scenes info with on your wonderful Light Diffuse podcast, and uh, headed into the holidays, are we doing anything special? With, with the the, the show uh, this year? Where we are just
1: wrapping up our uh, Jack Reacher miniseries mm-hmm. with uh, Christopher McQuarrie, mm-hmm. uh which is really fascinating. And uh, I don't know. I really love that movie. So it was nice to get to talk to him about that. And then, oh, Jim, we have a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff coming for 2023. Okay. We'll see if, if it feels sometimes like we are jumping a motorcycle into a <laughs> ravine ourselves. But... You know, it'll all be worth it. Dead Reckoning, part one.
0: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. For now, I uh, want to remind you, we do have some other podcasts here uh, at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network you might want to check out. we got Disney Dish, which I do with Lontesto. We've got uh, Looking at Lucasfilm, which I do with Brian Gahn. He and I will be doing a year interview show as well. Uh, we also have Marvelous Disney. I do with Aaron Adams. And uh, we're also looking to do a rear in view there, (laughs) a year in review, not a rear in the view. Uh, Well, that might be more popular. It's a different kind of show. That's a different kind of show. Okay. (laughs) Beyond (laughs) that. All right. I'm still over on Twitter, and I'm, I'm this week. I'm wondering who's actually in charge because didn't Elon say he was going to be stepping down or offer to or something like that? But yeah, I, you can find me on Twitter still, and Instagram is Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And and what about you, Drew?
1: Yeah, you can find me at Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt. Mm-mm. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter for the time being. We'll see where we are in this time next week. There we go.
0: There we go. All right. Beyond that, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you get head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, fine-tuning, but also light Diffuse, fuse, uh, that would be very helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here, if you head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. And I guess that's going to do it for now. So on behalf of Mr. Taylor, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week.